WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Tuesday, January 16th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. We're going to see a wintry mix this morning. It'll transition to light snow this afternoon. We may get an additional inch over what we already have on the ground. The high today, 33. And then tonight and overnight, cold and cloudy. The low is going to be 20 here in the city. And then Wednesday, it'll feel like winter. Sunshine, high 27. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 25 and snowing in Harrison up in Westchester County, 30 and cloudy down in Forked River in New Jersey. And it is 25 and we'll call it a rainy, snowy mix here in Midtown. So much to get to, by the way, as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. Okay, if you have not peeked out at the window this early hour, snow fell just about everywhere overnight. We had uh, snow here in the city, snow up north and west of us. Some places down the Jersey Shore just got rain. But here in the city, uh, one inch, maybe two inches. It's just another storm, and it's we're due for it. We haven't had one, like a really bad one in years, so we're kind of lucky, to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, that'll be the case in this one. I mean, this was predicted to be one to three inches, and I think that's pretty much what it is here in the city. Where I was this morning, it took me uh, about five minutes to wipe the snow. I got the broom out, took wiped the snow off the windshield, the roof of the car, the back of the car, and then made my way in. And the streets, at least from Jersey City through the Holland tunnel into midtown they were totally clear now some places that won't be the case at this hour the beauty of it it's good it's wonderful if i get a chance i'd like to go skiing too yeah not enough to go skiing you got to have to make some snow for that to happen he's up in the hudson valley where some places got three maybe five inches at most uh roads though we're being told someone uh uh, people tweeting about this this morning towards us. Uh, you can always do that. Uh, going to uh, tweeting at WABC. We always take a look at that, seeing what people are saying. Some roads are a little dicey. We have some freezing temperatures. There's a lot of black ice out there, and everyone should be careful. Yes, yeah, so we're getting reports of the black ice uh, up in the Bronx. People up early clearing the walk. It's like, okay, snow, it's a headache, you know. What can you do? You, know, you have to deal with it. You have to shovel it. Just walk through it. It's not going to kill you. It's just snow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is just snow. So, well, again, one to three here in the city. Depends on where you are. Here in Manhattan, looks like maybe one. Go up to the Bronx. It's a little bit more. Out in Jersey, a little bit more. Uh, north of the city, Westchester, Rockland County, well, three to five inches. That's what we're getting reports of. And it's all part of this winter system that has just taken over Really, the entire country. It's so cold no matter where you go. In uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, this woman says the cold temperatures have just become unbearable. I felt like my jaw was freezing. It was very cold. And that's from somebody who's used to that cold weather. About 100 million people across the country under some sort of wind chill alert today. You lose power, you lose heat, then you risk your pipes freezing. So, yeah, we might have to look into installing a generator just in case. Yeah, so here it hasn't been so bad. Colorado, they're complaining it's been kind of crazy so far. It's overall just been a terrible, terrible winter. And it came out of nowhere. In Kentucky, the governor there warning people it was going to be bad. It is so cold and will be so cold that it is tough for the salt and, and other uh, 
treatments for the roads to work, meaning roads can be slick anywhere throughout Kentucky. We will actually have a force of as many as 2,000 people, plus some 1,400 snowplows to deploy around the state both state trucks and private contractors. Yeah, so uh, no matter where you go, pretty much going to run into this uh, Texas, which is not used to this kind of weather. Maybe you saw when Dallas got blown out on Sunday night. The temperature as fans were waiting into the get into the stadium was in the 20s. And so now Texas, again, not used to this really cold kind of weather. They have warming centers set up today. These 152 locations across the state right now are opened and operated by our local government partners. Yeah, so the thought is the warm, it'll warm up in the next uh, day or so. There. There's no reason for people to stay cold in their home with all of the warming centers that we have across the state. Yeah, so again, snow here, the forecast, uh, we'll get a little bit more today, maybe another inch on top of what we got overnight here in the city, and then, and then the storm moves out this afternoon. If you are north and west of us, uh, maybe you'll get another inch or two before the storm moves out. There are some school delays and school closings this morning, getting a whole bunch of them in. Uh, we'll put a list up at WABCRadio.com. 505, the other big story last night, former President Donald Trump just blowing out the competition in a huge way in Iowa last night, confirming his standing as the clear front runner for the 2024 presidential nomination, Republican one anyway, with 97% of the vote in Trump has 51.1% support. Followed by Governor DeSantis, 21.2%. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, 19.1%. And entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy at 7.7%. So, I mean, he just destroyed the competition. The 77-year-old Trump recording the biggest margin of victory in the modern history of the Iowa caucus, dating back to 1976, becomes the first Republican candidate to get more than 50% support at a contested caucus. Trump taking a victory lap last night. Well, I want to thank everybody. This has been some period of time, and most importantly, We want to thank the great people of Iowa. Thank you. We love you all. What a turnout. What a crowd. And I really think this is time now for everybody, our country, to come together. We want to come together. This plan seems to be working very well for the Trump campaign, which wanted him to just dominate in the beginning. So then when these trials begin, he'll have already essentially captured the nomination. And I really think this is time now for everybody our country to come together. We want to come together, uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative. It would be so nice if we could come together and straighten out the world. Just to show you how dominant it was last night, Trump won or led in 98 of the Hawkeye State's 99 counties. That's as of about two this morning with just one county, Johnson County, the home of the University of Iowa, that going for Nikki Haley. We got more on this story coming up. Some WABC News Time 509 last night, entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy dropping out of the race for the White House. As of this moment, we are going to suspend this presidential campaign. And this is going to have to be, there is no path for me to be the next president absent things that we don't want to see happen in this country. He says he was disappointed by his showing last night and then instantly declared uh, Donald Trump the favorite in the race and throwing his support towards the former president. As I've said since the beginning, there are two America First candidates in this race. And earlier tonight, I called Donald Trump to tell him that I congratulated him on his victory 
and now going forward, he will have my full endorsement. Yeah, so it's sort of interesting to watch this whole process play out in Iowa as they all gather in this one spot, and then the supporters of the candidates make these speeches, and then everybody goes and votes. So it's not like an all-day thing. It's an evening thing, and it was awfully cold, lots of snow. Uh, a fair amount of voters showed up, but not as big of a turnout as they thought it was going to be. Uh, just examples of how he ran, you know, Florida. Oh, so he's talking about Ron DeSantis here. Uh, just examples of how he ran, you know, Florida. Just seems like a decent guy. I mean, I don't, I don't think I really look too negatively on any of them. Nikki Haley. And tell me why. We need her strong dedication to the military. We need her strong foreign policy. There were some people last night expressing their doubts about a Donald Trump-Joe Biden rematch. I don't I don't think he can win uh, the presidential election again. I just don't think he would get enough overall support within the country. But he just dominated last night in Iowa. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis duking out for second place and DeSantis winning that battle at least last night. I think I probably have a leaning more toward uh, Nikki Haley at this point, but um, I'm willing to listen and hear what people have to say before making a final decision again, like the conservative values and, and, you know, things that are important to our family. There were about 1,600 caucus sites in Iowa last night. Some of them had smaller than expected gatherings. The votes are counted in the precinct. They are reported in the precinct. And there's a paper trail. This is about starting the process for picking the most powerful human being in the world. And it starts in your state. This is the model for the entire country tonight. So now it's on to New Hampshire. Nikki Haley, she's been sharpening her attacks in recent weeks against Ron DeSantis, hoping to push him out of the race. But after last night's showing, my guess is he's not going anywhere. There's a lot of lies and everything going on. You can go to... Um, and Governor DeSantis uh, says he's been able to win over people with his policies, uh, and he says he's going to stick by that. Having the humility as a leader means you know it's a team effort. You know, you're not going to be able to do everything yourself. Yeah, you set the vision as president, you make the decisions, uh, but ultimately you need good people around you to be able to put this into practice. Now, if we really want to return the government to we the people, we can't let the bureaucrats run amok anymore. So, of course, the biggest thing is with Donald Trump or any of these other two candidates uh, are able to hold on to win the nomination. How would they do against Joe Biden in the general election? Now, of course, it's only January, but a CBS News YouGov poll that is out this morning shows the former president, Donald Trump, U.S. Ambassador Nikki Haley and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis each edging out Biden in a head-to-head matchup. While Trump remains the clear favorite in the GOP primary, Haley actually fares the best against Joe Biden in a general election. She would win if the election were held today. Again, according to the CBS News YouGov poll, she would have an eight-point lead over Joe Biden in a general election. Uh, Ron DeSantis would win by three points, and the race is much closer when it comes to Donald Trump and Joe Biden. As of today, Trump is up by two points over Joe Biden if the general election were to happen today. But it's not, of course. It's not happening until November. 5.13, let's get off. The campaign trail go down to Washington. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin out of the hospital now. The Pentagon said he was released from Walter Reed National Military Medical Center on Monday. Austin was admitted to the hospital two weeks ago due to complications from prostate cancer surgery. He will work remotely for a period of time while having full access to secure communications capabilities. The Pentagon did not disclose Austin had been hospitalized until days after he had been admitted. Lawmakers have demanded answers about why the White House and Congress were not notified about the hospitalization. 
I'm Mark Mayfield. WABC News Time 514 will go down to the U.S.-Texas uh, border. A feud between Texas and the federal government over border security hitting a fever pitch. The state blocking federal agents from entering a riverfront park in Eagle Pass, which has Democrats asking the Justice Department to act. This is unprecedented interference by a governor and state government on immigration Texas Democratic Congressman Joaquin Castro there says the state is preventing the federal government from doing their job. A woman and two children died after drowning in the Rio Grande. U.S. officials say three of them died as they tried to cross the border from Mexico near Eagle Pass. Correspondent Guad Venegas has more. The White House says Texas officials in Eagle Pass prevented Border Patrol agents from providing emergency assistance to the migrants by blocking agents' access to a city park with a boat ramp. The state had recently taken control of the park. The deaths come as immigration disputes intensify between Texas Governor Greg Abbott and the Biden administration. And back here, the curfew begins today for about 2,000 migrants living in four shelters across the city. We'll get into that story as the morning wears on. But first, 515, let's head over to the 77WABC Sports Desk. Good morning. Uh, well, it's not a great morning. I knew for you as an Eagles fan, but I'll say good morning anyway, Justin Ellick. What do you mean? It's a celebratory morning. I've been put out of my misery oh yeah so right so you're happy that they haven't advanced into the playoffs the eagles i'm just happy it wasn't a close game because then that would yield you know what ifs and if only scenarios and excuses and it might even uh give head coach and uh coordinators uh you know an alley or an avenue uh to return next season which in my opinion shouldn't be the case no i'm late well so did you sit through this whole game because you could have gone to bed at some point i had to sulk wasn't close i had to sulk and i had to answer a lot of threatening text messages oh, okay <laughs> from rival fans right who are, um, who are enjoying every moment of it i'm sure right because i rushed to the defense of my football team no matter what huh. you know and uh, i'll go down with the ship so what again okay, i know there's other games that happened but yeah. what the hell happened they were 10 and 1 and then last night they lost to Tampa Bay. Did what? Is something going on in the locker room we don't know about? Well, clearly, I would have to say, if you lose uh, six of seven, five of the last six in the uh, regular season, there's clearly something uh, that that's going wrong in that locker room. Uh, losers. Yeah, big time, big time <laughs> losers. I mean, they just didn't come out ready to play last night. They haven't come out ready to play the last six or seven weeks. So there's clearly a morale issue in that locker room. Um, somebody is failing at getting these guys up and uh, and ready to play. I mean, in my opinion, they're grown athletes who get paid million uh, millions of dollars to play a sport. So they should be able to get up and play that sport. But if they can't do it, especially for the playoffs, then that's on them. So as a diehard, do you want them to clear house? you want them to start all over again? Yeah, because clearly it's not working. So you got to come up with a different strategy. I mean, that, that, that's how sports works, you know. You, hmm. I mean, if you continue to put out the same product that doesn't work, I mean, that's that's kind of the definition of insanity, no? That is true. That would drive a fan base crazy, and I'm already a lunatic. <laughs> so I, I don't need to be any more crazy. No. Right. So we'll take a breather here, a couple a couple uh, weeks, just to uh, refresh myself. and Get them out. Yeah. Get back to sanity, sane levels, and move on okay. with my life. Until next year. I'll go crazy all over again. Thankfully, there was other games last night, right? <laughs> yes, there was. We did wrap up NFL wildcard playoff action. Gnome Allen with that doubleheader of action on the gridiron start with the Bills and the Steelers in Buffalo to decide who will meet the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round of this weekend. Josh Allen threw three touchdown passes and scored on a franchise playoff record 52-yard touchdown run. This is a great run, too. I don't know if you saw that. As Buffalo beat Pittsburgh 31-17 to to survive and move on. The AFC second-seeded Bills, who closed the regular season with five straight wins, 
advanced to host Patty Mahomes and the number three seed Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round on Sunday night. Last night, rounding out uh, wild card action in the NFC, as previously discussed here, the five seed Eagles met the four seed Buccaneers in Tampa Bay on Monday Night Football. Baker Mayfield threw for 337 yards and three touchdowns, and Tampa Bay's defense never allowed Jalen Hurts and the uh, incompetent Philadelphia sputtering offense to get into rhythm and route to a stunning 32 to nine shellacking of Philadelphia. The Eagles entered Monday night looking for a solution to uh, what held them during uh, what was one of the more stunning collapses in NFL history, one that saw them go 1-5 and five down the stretch after that 10-1 and one start to the season. That included a dominant 14-point victory over Tampa Bay in Week 13, but evidently this was never a rut Philly, uh, Philly was meant to crawl out of. The Bucks won for the sixth time in, seventh game, in seven games, I should say, to advance to an a, a NFC Divisional Run matchup on the road on Sunday against the Detroit Lions, another team like the Eagles that stimmied Mayfield and the Bucks during the regular season. Here, quickly on the hardwood at the Garden, the Knicks fell short against the Orlando Magic last night, losing a 98-94. to And out in Brooklyn, and that's forced overtime against the visiting Miami Heat just to lose a heartbreaker by a score of 96-95. to Things didn't go much better with our local hockey clubs yesterday and last night with both the Islanders and Devils taking losses on the night. The Isles, or uh, I should say in Boston, the Devils got blanked by the Bruins, final score 3 to nothing before the Isles went scoreless as well in Minnesota. Uh, <laughs> Minnesota. Getting shut out by the Wild, five to nothing. That's Sports Gnome, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 521. We're now finding out a crack in the cockpit window of a Boeing aircraft is to blame for all the Nippon Airway flights being forced to return to an airport in Japan over the weekend. The airline said the cabin pressure of the Boeing 737-800 aircraft was normal during the flight, and the landing was made under normal conditions. All Nippon Airways also said no other aircraft in the fleet was affected. The company apologized for the inconvenience and said its passengers and flight crew safety is its priority. The incident happened just over a week after the door plug of a Boeing 737 MAX 9 aircraft blew out on an Alaska Airlines flight. I'm Lisa Taylor. Pope Francis insists he's not thinking about retiring at the moment. In Rome, correspondent Giles Gibson says the 87-year-old is suffering from a number of health issues over the last year. There's been speculation that he could step back from his role. In a wide-ranging interview on Italian television, Pope Francis also announced that he'll travel to Polynesia in August and that he hopes to visit his native Argentina at some point in the second half of this year. But such long journeys could be a challenge for the aging pontiff. Last November, he was forced to cancel a planned trip to Dubai for the COP28 climate change conference on doctor's orders. Giles Gibson, Rome. U.S. says it shot down a missile fired by Houthi rebels at one of its warships in the Red Sea. Richard Engel, correspondent, says it's part of this widening Middle East conflict. It's been 100 days since Hamas launched a surprise attack that Israel had once dismissed as impossible and unimaginable. Hamas releasing this video, maybe you saw it, featuring three hostages, including one who was taken from an Israeli music festival on a motorcycle. Israel says at least 100 hostages they think are still alive and still in Hamas's hand today. Iranian-backed Houthi militants in Yemen firing a missile toward an American destroyer. It was shot down, according to the Pentagon. So Angola says Israel tries their best to warn Palestinians about upcoming attacks and uh, they don't always pay attention to those warnings. Gazans say since they can't leave the area, even while it's under attack, they are all, by definition, 
human shields. So the number being thrown around, 24,000 killed uh, combined both sides during that war that's still going on that began back on that massacre on October 7th. North Korea says a projectile it launched Sunday was carrying a hypersonic warhead. In Tokyo, correspondent Chris Gilbert says North Korea is claiming it successfully launched a solid-fueled intermediate-range intercontinental ballistic missile which fell into the sea of Japan. North Korea says the launch never affected the security of any neighboring country and had nothing to do with the regional situation. South Korea believes Pyongyang's solid-fuel missiles are capable of striking U.S. military bases in Japan and Guam. It, along with Japan and the U.S., have repeatedly condemned North Korea's missile tests, which are in violation of U.N. Security Council resolutions. The U.S. has been unable to put new sanctions on North Korea at the Security Council since China and Russia began vetoing them in 2022. Chris Gilbert in Tokyo. China's condemned the U.S. other foreign countries that congratulated William Lai for winning the Taiwan presidential election over the weekend. In Hong Kong, correspondent Andrew Wood says China has never ruled the Democratic Island of 24 million, but says it's part of communist China and refuses to rule out a military attack to unite it with the mainland. Lai wants Taiwan to pursue its own democratic path in defiance of China's threats. Beijing's condemned Lai as a danger to peace, and it was particularly angry that America's Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, said he was looking forward to working with Lai and reiterated that the partnership between the United States and Taiwan was rooted in democratic values. Beijing said Blinken was sending a seriously incorrect signal to Taiwan independent separatist forces. Andrew Wood, Hong Kong. Last night, 75th Primetime Emmy Awards from Los Angeles. They're in the books now. Succession taking home the trophy for Outstanding Drama Series. Um, we want to thank HBO. Um, uh, this wasn't necessarily an easy show to commission right at the very beginning. So thank you to Katie Bloys, who I first pitched it to, to uh, Francesca Orsi and Nora Skinner, who've seen it through, and to Richard Plepler, who was there at the beginning. That's Jesse Armstrong accepting the award on behalf of the cast and the crew. The Bear, that one Outstanding Comedy series this is really amazing it's beautiful the cast and crew there's so many people that make this show happen every single day and it's really beautiful it's hard work actor maddie matheson who uh, plays neil on the bear accepted the award kieran culkin and sarah snook won outstanding lead actor and actress in a drama series for their roles in succession uh, i wasted all my time hugging everybody i love you all so much um Especially everyone in the cast, uh, Jay, Alan, Sarah, Brian, every single one. Thank you so much. Um, I love you. Last week tonight with John Oliver, which isn't on the air anymore, it won an Emmy for Best Scripted Variety Series. Um, uh, thank you to HBO, Casey Nina, and our lawyers who are angry with us all the time. Uh, thank you to my wife, Kate, who is here tonight. I love you very much. Our Sir Elton John now can add very prestigious EGOT title to his eye-popping resume. That means he's won now an Emmy last night. A golden, no, Emmy, golden, wait, EGOT is Emmy? No. Who helped me out here? EGOT is... <laughs> Emmy. Right. Uh, Grammy. Grammy, thank you. Oscar, Tony. There we go. Thank Very you. Good. I couldn't get wow. the first one. Yeah, Oof, I'm glad you got the last two. <laughs> yeah, the brain's not working. The uh, 76-year-old uh, winning last night for his variety category for his Disney Plus special, Elton John Live. He wasn't there, but his husband was, and so was the producer of the show. This is his ego. Uh, have you <laughs> talked to him yet? Uh, and and uh, Have you texted with him? What's, uh, we FaceTimed him. We woke him up in the middle of the night. <laughs> He's back in the UK. He's had his left knee replaced. 
um, which isn't surprising if you think of the number of pianos he's jumped off of in platform hills. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, what, what do you think this means to him, and uh, you uh, know, how did he react to uh, this, this new status? He screamed out loud. He was like, yes! He was really happy, um, incredibly honored. And, um, yeah, he said, he said, you know, I'm lucky to be in such, you know, talented and esteemed company. Uh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, fun to hear that he still gets excited after winning so many awards over his lifetime. The opening bell it rings this morning on Wall Street after trading was closed Monday in observance of Martin Luther King Jr. Day. The start of the holiday shortened trading week comes on the heels of Friday's mixed close as investors weighed the first batch of fourth quarter earnings. The closing bell saw the Dow lose 118, S&P rose three points, NASDAQ gained two points. Celebrating 100 years. 77 WABC. New York Radio. Real. Real. New York. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. That is me. Good morning. It is Tuesday, January 16th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Going to see a wintry mix this morning that'll transition to light snow this afternoon. We could get an additional inch here in the city on top of about an inch that we got overnight, the high 33. And then tonight and overnight, cold, cloudy. The low is going to be 20. And then Wednesday, sunshine, the high only going to be 27. If you are walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 25 snowing up in Harrison in Westchester County. 30 and cloudy down in Forked River, down in New Jersey. And it is 26, and we'll call it light snow here in the city. We're going to start this half hour with that story we brought to you, breaking news yesterday, of a 45-year-old who was shot dead on on the subway in Brooklyn on a three train. It was bound for Manhattan. He now know more details of what is really just an incredibly sad story. Richard Henderson shot in the back in the shoulder Sunday about 830. He was riding this Manhattan bound three train. It was approaching the Franklin Avenue Medgar Evers College Station. And he was attempting to break up a fight, an argument between two fellow passengers over loud music when one of them pulled out a gun and started firing bullets. If you get involved yourself, you're taking your risk. You know, you never know what people are going to do these days. You put yourself in jeopardy as well. You didn't know what this person was capable of doing. You know, sometimes you just think you're doing the right thing, trying to break up a fight on the subway. Unfortunately, they don't know exactly who yet. They haven't caught up with them. But one of these two pulled out the gun. He may have been aiming for the person he was fighting with and accidentally hit Henderson. Uh, that's not clear yet. Henderson is a dad with kids. Uh, his neighborhood neighbors describing the married father of three as a people person. And they weren't surprised he got involved. He always wanted to do good things. He always tried to fuel a problem. He's just a good person. Yeah. Henderson found inside the subway car at the station taken to Kings County Hospital where he died. Detectives believe he may have been shot six stops away from where he was found. Again, they're still piecing this all together. But that they do know is he was just trying to break up a fight between two others on the subway. The 45-year-old's death is the first murder in the subway system of 2024. Riders say... 
you know, they just freaks them out. I tell my sisters not to take the subway at night. I don't take it at, like when it's really too dark. Yeah, and we go from one sad story, unfortunately, to another family reaching out to us, trying to get the word out. The search continues for the driver of a Jeep Grand Cherokee who hit a Bronx mom over the weekend, hit and killed her. The hit took place East 157th Street. Lourdes Camillo tried to cross the street when she was hit by two cars, but the first driver did not stay at the scene. There were a bunch of eyewitnesses. I heard a bang. And then when I seen the bang, I see the car just drive by. So I thought it was a garbage pail or maybe a, a laundry cart that was actually struck. We rolled down my window. That's when I realized it was a body. It was traumatizing. The final moments of Camillo's life was caught on surveillance camera. The mother had walked out of her apartment building on Melrose Avenue, and it appears she actually did not have the light when she went to cross the street. The cops did arrive like 60 seconds after in every direction, but before they got here, there was a lot of vehicles that she could have got ran over multiple times because, you know, it was difficult to see. So now cops looking for this cheap uh, Jeep, rather, Cherokee, so far unable to find that driver who did not stay at the scene. Of course, we'll face all kinds of new charges for not staying at the scene. It could have been anybody's mom. It could have been anybody's daughter. It could have been anybody's granddaughter. And she was young. Yeah, I don't know how you don't stay. Friends and neighbors have put together a small memorial outside of her apartment. Of course, cops asking anybody with information on this hit and run to give them a holler. WABC News Time 539. Go to the east side of Manhattan. More Palestinian protests there last night. Things got kind of ugly Monday night on the Upper East Side as yet another pro-Palestinian protest led to at least one protester being detained. A journalist on the scene said that's when things almost turned into a stampede. Later, a motorist was trying to get through a blocked roadway. The driver wasn't arrested. They eventually made their way on down the road. Protests of this kind have become almost commonplace in New York, dating back to the October 7th Hamas terrorist attacks in Israel. James Flippin for 77 WABC News. Four migrant centers across the city going to impose these curfews for about 2,000 migrants living in city-run shelters. Many migrants say they're just learning about this curfew. Some say they work late hours, like delivering food and need an exemption to that rule. Some exemptions will be given. The curfew is 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. It comes after neighbors in a bunch of these communities have complained about migrants panhandling after hours, in some cases knocking on doors and asking for money. Yesterday, Mayor Adams was on with Sid on Sid and Friends in the morning, says he's um, trying to do his best to manage this migrant crisis that uh, some 170,000 have arrived here over the last year and a half. I am pissed off and angry about what is happening to our city. And I'm blamed. I'm blamed for the buses. I'm blamed because I don't control the borders. I'm blamed because of the resources that's hit it. I'm blamed for that. And the mayor saying yesterday to Sid that at least 2,500 continue to show up each week. More from the U.S.-Texas border. The city says if anyone, by the way, is caught violating this curfew three times within 30 days, they could be expelled from the shelter. And while 
The mayor was talking migrants with Sid on Sid and Friends in the morning. They were talking about James Madison High. Maybe you followed this story. Some parents really sore with the mayor for using the high school in Brooklyn last week during the storm. He moved in City Hall. 2,000 migrants who live in that tent city at Floyd Bennett Field. They were worried it might be knocked over from the high winds from last week's storm into James Madison High. So James Madison High for the day went remote. And the mayor, not backing down, says he didn't do anything wrong. He said it was an emergency and he had to put the migrants somewhere. We can't do it for one day for other children. That is not who we are as a city. There was nothing unique about the utilization of a school building that we've always used during the course of crises. The mayor telling Sid that the migrant families were just camped out at the school for less than 24 hours and that the kids at James Madison High were back in class the following day. 543, let's go out to New Jersey. Northern New Jersey residents still trying to recover. The, you know, these, some of these rivers haven't completely receded yet, which is amazing because they overflowed almost a week ago, flooding out tons of homes. Jim lives along the Rockaway River in Parsippany, got 13 inches of water, now has to replace a lot of furniture. Storms are getting stronger, flooding's getting more. I mean, I've never got flooded twice within a month. Yeah, and usually it's not during the winter. Jim actually has started a petition that asks local lawmakers to build a flood wall for a small section of Parsippany along the Rockaway River to help protect their homes. Meanwhile, there's concern that leftover floodwaters on streets could freeze or may have frozen overnight. We need a wall here. We really do. I mean, they need to come. They need to change the flood maps uh, or take another look and do a survey. Now, a lot of these flooding uh, incidents were taking in places that normally flood, but a lot were in places that don't normally flood at all. I think the flood wall is actually the solution here. We could try elevating the home, but it, I don't know if that would actually, that would probably cost a lot more. Yeah, in Little Falls, the cold temps overnight into today and, and to tonight where it's going to be 20 degrees, uh, that has people worried about finishing the cleanup. Same as it always was. I mean, it's just... Um, you know, two, it's winter time. It's the first time we ever had a flood in the winter. Mm-hmm. Usually it's March or whatever, people without heat. If you drive some of these neighborhoods, there's these big trash containers just filled with furniture and all kinds of things that were ruined by the water. The Red Cross doing its job in North Jersey to help people out who had to leave their homes, finding them temporary shelter. With this kind of cold weather, you hate to see anyone displaced. We're so fortunate that we have uh, partners in the community that will offer a facility for us to use as a shelter or even a warming center, a place for people to come in to charge their electronics if they lost power. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's a one, two, three punch. And it wasn't just in North Jersey, severe weather events causing major dune and berm erosion in areas out on Long Island, like Fire Island, Jones Beach, Montauk. Aid going to be available, they think. At least Senator Schumer is trying to get aid to some of these homeowners. But we have found that the Army Corps is allowed to aggregate the damage of several of the storms and put them, and that will cause us to reach the threshold. Yeah, so he says at some point, some of these homeowners and business owners will get some money from the government. 545 now, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk, where we find Justin Ellis. Thank you, Noam Leighton. We wrapped up NFL wildcard playoff action yesterday and last night with a doubleheader of action on the gridiron, starting with the Bills and the Steelers. In Buffalo to decide who will meet the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round this weekend. Josh Allen threw three touchdown passes and scored 
on a franchise playoff record 52-yard touchdown run as Buffalo beat Pittsburgh 31-17 to survive and move on. The AFC second-seeded Bills, who closed the regular season with five straight wins, advanced to host Patty Mahomes and the number three seed Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round on Sunday night. Last night, rounding out wildcard action in the NFC, the five-seed Eagles met the four-seed Buccaneers in Tampa Bay on Monday night football. Baker Mayfield threw for 337 yards and three touchdowns, and Tampa Bay's defense never allowed Jalen Hurts and the and Philadelphia's uh, sputtering offense to get into a rhythm and route to a stunning 32-9 shellacking of the incompetent franchise that is Philadelphia. The Eagles entered Monday night looking for a solution to what ailed them during one of the more stunning collapses in NFL history, one that saw them go 1-5 down the stretch after a 10-1 start to the season that included a dominant 14-point victory over Tampa Bay in Week 3, but that was a different team, and evidently this was never a rut Philly was meant to crawl out of. The Bucks won for the sixth time in seven games to advance to an NFC Divisional Round matchup on the road on Sunday against the Detroit Lions. Another did you team. ever have a hope that the Eagles were going to pull it out last night, or did you just kind of know when you sat down they were going to lose? Uh, I knew right when they deferred the opening kickoff that they would lose that football wow. game. Wow, okay. Yeah. And then they gave up, you know, because then all of a sudden you're down 10 nothing. Don't defer the opening kickoff. Take the ball. Yeah. Well, especially if you're playing in Tampa Bay. Yeah, the stupidest yeah. thing ever. Yep. My God. Anyway, so uh, they'll, uh, they'll get the uh, Lions, uh, the Bucks. that is, next week. On the hardwood at the Garden, the Knicks fell short against the Orlando Magic last night, losing 98-94. to uh, Deuce McBride scored a career-high 20 points in a second straight start in place to Jalen Brunson, who has a bruised left calf. In Brooklyn, the Nets forced overtime against the visiting Miami Heat just to lose a heartbreaker by a score of 96-95. to Things didn't go much better with our local hockey clubs yesterday and last night, with both the Islanders and Devils taking losses on the night. Uh, in Boston, the Devils got blanked over the Bruins. Final score there, 3 to nothing before the Isles went scoreless as well in Minnesota, getting shut out by the Wild, 5 to nothing. That's Sports Gnome, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. And let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. Snow, actually the big one. We haven't been able to say that in a long time, at least here in the city. About 1 to 3 inches falling overnight, depending on where you are. Here in Midtown, more like 1 inch. But if you go up the Bronx, a little bit higher, everybody... Kind of smiling about it right now. It's just another storm, and it's we're due for it. We haven't had one like a really bad one in years, so we're kind of lucky, to be honest with you. Up in the Hudson Valley, more like three to five inches have fallen overnight. The beauty of it, it's good. It's wonderful. If I get a chance, I'd like to go skiing, too. Yeah, might be not enough to go skiing uh, yet anyway. Uh, roads in some places a little dicey, not terrible. The main roadways, I can tell you, took me about five minutes to wipe all the snow off my car in Jersey City this morning. It was about two inches of snow or so. And then got onto a couple of side streets. They were actually clear. And then when you got on the main roads into the Lincoln Tunnel and then here into the city, no problem at all. But some roads will be a little dicey this morning. So we have some freezing temperatures. There's a lot of black ice out there and everyone should be up in the Bronx, some people up early clearing the walk. It's like, okay, snow, it's a headache, you know. What can you do? You, know, you have to deal with it. You, know, you have to shovel it. Just walk through it. It's not going to kill you. It's just snow. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it is just snow. And we're going to get a little bit more of it this morning. The uh, Ramsey Mazda Weather Center saying that we'll see maybe another inch of snow before this storm heads out this afternoon. Right now, like a transition to sort of a light mix of snow and rain and then maybe all snow this afternoon, but more like flurry. So it's possible more maybe an inch or so on top of what we got here in the city. And for that, 
that matter, north and west of the city before the storm moves out. And then it gets awfully cold. It's only going to be 20 degrees overnight here in the city, 27 the high for Wednesday. And much of the nation is feeling this chill. In Grand Rapids, Michigan, this woman says the cold temps in a place that's really cold all the time, it feels like, are getting to I felt like my jaw was freezing. It was very cold. About 100 million people across the country have wind chill alerts today. If you lose power, you lose heat, then you risk your pipes freezing. So, yeah, we might have to look into installing a generator just in case. In Kentucky, the governor there warning people that it was going to be bad. It is so cold and will be so cold that it is tough for the salt and and other uh, treatments for the roads to work, meaning roads can be slick anywhere throughout Kentucky. In Texas, where they're really not used to cold weather, it has been cold. These 152 locations across the state right now are opened and operated by our local government partners. Yeah, they opened up warming centers, not just for the homeless, for anybody that might have lost heat. There's no reason for people to stay cold in their home with all of the warming centers that we have across the state. Yeah, so here's the shock here in the city. It is winter, so it is supposed to be cold. And January is usually the coldest month of the year. And, well, at least for the next 24 hours, it's going to feel that way. Big night, big blowout for former President Donald Trump in Iowa. Maybe you fell asleep before the results came in. It was not close. Confirming his standing as the clear front runner for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination. 97% of the vote in. Trump had 51%, followed by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, 21%. South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley at 19%. And all the way in fourth place, a biotech entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy at 7%. The 77-year-old Trump recorded the biggest margin of victory in modern history of the Iowa GOP caucus that dates back to 1976. He becomes the first Republican candidate to get more than 50% support in a contested caucus. So you can imagine the victory lap was large last night for the former president. Well, I want to thank everybody. This has been some period of time, and most importantly, We want to thank the great people of Iowa. Thank you. We love you all. What a turnout. What a crowd. And I really think this is time now for everybody, our country, to come together. We want to come together. Trump was in Des Moines last night. And I really think this is time now for everybody, our country, to come together. We want to come together. Uh, Whether it's Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative, it would be so nice if we could... Come together and straighten out the world. The win so big last night. Trump won or led in 98 of the Hawkeye State's 99 counties. That was as of around 2 this morning. The only county that did not go his way was Johnson County, which is the home of the University of Iowa at Iowa City. Apparently, uh, Haley will get that one county, but that's it. Otherwise, he really blew out the competition. And that was enough for entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy to drop out of the race for the White House last night. As of... This moment, we are going to suspend this presidential campaign. And this is going to have to be, there is no path for me to be the next president, absent things that we don't want to see happen in this country. And Ramaswamy making the first call after making that announcement to Donald Trump to say that he'll endorse him. As I've said since the beginning, there are two America First candidates in this race. And earlier tonight, I called Donald Trump to tell him that I... Congratulate him on his victory. And now going forward, he will have my full endorsement. And now the primary season begins on to New Hampshire. Let's bring it back home. Mayor Adams 
touting his accomplishments and highlighting a rise in black leadership on Martin Luther King Jr. Day yesterday. Adams remarking how there are black people leading some of the biggest cities across America and positions of power here in New York State. We are in position of power and authority to really change the direction of this entire country because if it happens here, it cascades throughout the entire country. The mayor giving a speech at the National Action Network event in Harlem to honor King. Adams says in his two years in office, there's been a decrease in shootings and homicides, and he's created a lot more affordable housing. He says something that King had made a priority. This is our moment. This is what Dr. King fought for. He fought for the moment we're in, a moment where... We have more black and brown power. And then last uh, yesterday, not only was it the King anniversary or the tribute to his birthday, but there was a tribute in New York City and in Weehawken yesterday, marking the 15th anniversary of the miracle on the Hudson. And New Yorkers remember in amazement where they were. It, It reaches that level where you say, well, is this just because it was built so great and we're so terrific? Or is there a God up there? You know, that said, let's save these people, man. I don't know. But it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, I'm not sure what he's talking about there. But uh, there was this big celebration uh, yesterday. It marked 15 years since when has become the miracle on the Hudson. A flock of birds took out the engine of U.S. Airways plane, leaving Captain Sully Sullenberger with little choice to make that emergency landing on the Hudson on the west side of Manhattan. Monday, people gathering to honor the brave men and women, a lot of them from New York Waterway, the FDNY, the NYPD, who raced out in the water to save those people who were standing on the wing of the plane waiting to be rescued. I called the other boats, the other waterway boats, and told them, uh, you know, follow me in. It was almost like second nature, you know. Just dropped the lines and just raced to the plane and then we start pulling people in. It is amazing how everything went perfectly right from the landing on the Hudson to those New York waterway boats, the NYPD, the FDNY racing to save the people on the wing. One of those people was Denise Lockie and she came back yesterday to thank everybody. I'm just trying to figure out once I was picked up at the ferry boat, I had a difficult time climbing the rope ladder because my fingernails had kind of broken and my feet were frozen and my hands were frozen. And she said, thankfully, to the New York Waterway folks, she was able to get onto one of those ferries. Interesting that a lot of people who were involved in that crash, who were on the plane, say they have the same sort of thing. Certain parts of those moments, and you can imagine why, they don't remember. So they say the New York Waterway captains, uh, other people who saw what took place, able to fill in that story yesterday.